everyone, welcome to What Really Works, a mental health podcast for young adults and youth. In these podcasts, you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in. What Really Works is brought to you by Discovery College, an initiative run by the Canadian Mental Health Association, Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello, what really works, listeners? You know, I think I do the intro pretty consistent for it not being a soundbite. I, I think it's so like, many people think it is a soundbite. What really works, listeners, that is not a soundbite. It is raw talent. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everyone knows. Could be a voice actor being that like consistent. You know what? My dream would be to either be on radio like host my own morning radio show mm-hmm. or to be the voice of some sort of animated Pixar movie. Oh my God. I would love it. I feel like, you know, you're halfway there with a podcast. Well, th- <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Good morning. What really works listeners. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in today. Becky, how are you feeling today? All right, actually. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm like, all right, actually. Um, yeah. For once. <laughs> no, I was actually saying to you earlier, Olivia, that I feel like these past few days I've had a bit of a burst of energy and I'm not really sure where it's come from, mm-hmm. but I'm rolling with it. Today we're going to be talking about grief and loss. A big topic. A big topic and a topic that we've been wanting to do for a while uh, but I was feeling a little bit too uh, too actually in in the throes mm-hmm. of, of grief and loss. And uh, I feel as though now I'm at a point where, where we can have a podcast about this and, and I can talk about it. So a little bit of a trigger warning for everyone. Yeah. I think, you know, we talk about a lot of really hard things on this podcast. But grief and loss are, are one of those things that everyone has experienced in their life at some point or another, whether it be... Um, ambiguous loss, which we'll get into, abstract loss, concrete loss, collective grief, uh, lots of different types of losses, all experienced loss during COVID-19. Um, so it hits, it hits close to home for, for a lot of folks. And it's one of those, those times in our life that are some of the toughest moments, right? So mm-hmm. I think it'll be a good one. I think it's a, a good conversation to have. And I think it's one of those things where no one really knows how to how to act and what to do yeah. and what do how do we support people when other ours, others are grieving how do we support ourselves mm-hmm. what does that look like and uh hopefully we'll be able to answer some of the questions that you all might have in your minds yeah so like you say olivia we are encouraging everyone to just if you're gonna tune in to this episode just take care of yourself do what works best for you when you're doing that if you need to take a pause anything like that because like you say olivia it can be Definitely a heavy subject and can be grief is really interesting because we might feel like we've gone through it and then hearing people talk about grief might bring it back up for us again. So, oh, yeah, just, yeah, do what works best for you and take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So let's just get stuck right into it, shall we? Um, To begin, let's just go over what what grief is, Mm -hmm. what loss is, what sort, what different types of grief and loss there are. I also like how you're talking about grief and loss as well, because mm. I think loss kind of rounds out what people think about what can involve the experience and emotion of grief as well. Yeah, totally. What's the that's actually a good place to start, Becky. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of grief or when you think of loss? Both. Answer both. 
<laughs> well, I feel like to me, grief traditionally what comes to your mind is around like death. Yeah. Like something really big like that is kind of what traditionally comes to my mind. As I've kind of rounded out my knowledge in mental health and well-being and just supporting other people and even myself, <laughs> um, you kind of come to realize that actually grief can affect so many more parts of our lives. Um, and I think that's why a lot of mental health professionals or even when we're just talking about well-being will kind of throw in the term loss as well. Because we can experience grief around the loss of something in our lives. It might not necessarily be a person, but it could be a loss of even a goal that we were working towards or something, right? Or like some yeah. kind of real big disappointment. And I think that's kind of why I like it when we're saying like grief and loss together. Because I think a lot of people can kind of identify maybe with the term loss a little bit more sometimes than the term grief, even though... Grief really is what is the big thing that's going on at that moment in time. Absolutely. So losses or mm -hmm. grief can range from minor inconveniences, you know, some things that happen um, in our life that we can move on from relatively quickly to really significant traumas that can have a very large impact on someone for the rest of their life. Grief and loss can be sudden. It can be prolonged, you know, something that continues to, to happen and be reinforced. What you were speaking about earlier of, you know, maybe loss through our goals or things like that, there's a word for it and it's called abstract loss. Okay. So abstract loss is the loss of a dream, uh, another kind of like a sense maybe that's, that something's been lost but you don't really know what it, what it is. It could be a shift in your personality. Mm. It could be a loss of something that's important to you. Um, it could be maybe like there's not going to be a wedding anymore and you're, you're grieving the loss of that. Okay. Um, lots of things that have happened during COVID-19, for example, like the loss of being able to see our friends and our family, the loss of vacations, potentially uh, loss of routines, plans being canceled. Um, Loss that's felt because of having a mental health challenge, right? Maybe you feel as though you're missing out on some things. So that's abstract loss. Okay. And then we have ambiguous loss. So ambiguous loss is used to describe loss that lacks certainty or lacks resolution. Ooh. So it's, it's complicated because there's situations where someone does lose someone or something but that grieving process is kind of frozen or stuck because they don't know what's actually happened so this might be if someone goes missing or uh, you know a pet maybe a pet's ran away from home and you don't yeah. know what's happened to that so that that's ambiguous loss I find that that's really interesting because it's kind of like those examples you're using there's kind of like this weird seesaw going on of grieving mm -hmm. but hope Hoping at the same, at the same time, time. Mm -hmm. which is really in like that's so tricky to like balance those two <clears throat> really kind of almost contradicting emotions in ourselves at the same time like that must be so confusing yeah and there's you are grieving but like you're saying there's other complicated things that are going on at the same time and yeah it really does it really does affect us because People can feel as though they're, like I said, in grief limbo where mm -hmm. they don't really know, know where to go from there. 
concrete loss is what we typically think of when we discuss grief. So what you were mentioning before of when you traditionally think of grief, you think of like a death of a loved one or um, something similar. So that's typically what we think of when we think of concrete loss. Collective grief is something that we have all been experiencing as well during COVID-19, but collective grief does um, affect some communities more so than other communities. We can think of um, Indigenous communities, we can think of um, people of color in general, we can think of everything that's happening um, with Black individuals and police brutality. Um, That's collective grief. So collective grief or loss can be felt by workplaces, neighborhoods, a church group, organizations, a friend group. And there can also be an extra element of trauma when that collective grief is felt because of a sudden loss due to like suicide or overdose or something like that. Someone that feels taken from the community and the community feels those things really hard. Um, I would say most of my grief experience lies within collective grief and then also that, that concrete loss Um, especially just the communities that I grew up in, there was a lot of overdose, a lot of suicide. And yeah, your, your whole town really feels that right because it, it shows that maybe we're not doing things like we should be doing as a society. And I think that's really where collective grief comes into, comes into play there. Well, I feel as well, it like injects a lot of anxiety (laughs) as well. Like a lot of like worry as well, like with collective grief of like, like you're saying about like what you know the community that you're from of like what what if just being on edge in general I guess yeah or who's next Mm -hmm. right like that's the other thing um we said earlier that grief or loss can be sudden or prolonged and with collective grief there's often that prolonged Mm -hmm. aspect to it where it's like again again this is happening yeah which adds a whole other element to it yeah it's such a complex things grief right yeah so it's a really nuanced topic just from those different types of grief we usually think of it all in the same way but so there's ambiguous abstract concrete and collective grief one of the things that I did want to talk about is the five stages of grief because I think that's another thing that everybody thinks of when they start talking about loss and grief yeah I think everybody I think it's one of those things where you say like maybe there is Something that people stereotypically think more of when it comes to grief, like that concrete loss, maybe a death of a loved one. And then kind of outsiders of like what's really close, of the really close people affected by it. It's kind of like, oh, they're in the anger stage right now. Yeah. Do you know the five stages of grief? No, not off the top of my head. Yeah. So the five stages of grief supposedly, and I'm saying supposedly for a reason, (laughs) are it goes denial and then anger bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Okay. So the reason I say supposedly is because um, it's something that we talk about a lot, I think, just within general society, especially when we're supporting someone with grief of like, oh, yeah, they're anger. They're angry. They're just in that anger stage right now. But eventually they'll move to acceptance and everything will be fine. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Grief is a roller coaster. And I would really encourage everyone to think of it in the same way that Becky and I consider you to think about mental health, is that mm-hmm. it's on a spectrum. Yeah. There's no right or wrong answer. There's no right or wrong way to be in grief. There's no time that you should you know, be over the loss. Um, everyone processes loss differently. Yeah. Um, in the moment, they process differently. In the long term, they process differently. The feelings are unique to each person. Grief is 
so, so, so incredibly individualized. And I think the reason why we boil grief down to something like those five stages is because it's really, really, really hard to support someone Mm -hmm. when they're grieving. And the reason it's so hard is because not only is it unique to everyone, but there's nothing really that we can do to make those feelings of pain go away. Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, people want to create things. They want to help. That help is support others or help us even understand what we're going through Yeah, as well, right? Because it can be incredibly confusing, grief and those experiences of loss or disappointment, whatever it is. So something like the five stages of grief can can maybe help people be like, you know what? It's okay. I'm feeling angry right now. Yeah. Or it's okay that I don't want to accept this right now. But like you say, kind of viewing it as this really concrete, solid way that a person is going to move through it. And then when they reach to stage five, they will continue life on perfectly chill is unrealistic and it's not supportive. Same with like you say, when it comes to thinking about mental health, we don't want to be putting people in boxes and saying like, okay, like this is where you're at exactly. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's about like, okay, like what's going on? Like maybe you might experience some of these things. You might not experience them or show them in that way. Like you say, it's complete individual. And I always just like that spectrum of how is it impacting us right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me personally, you know, I've experienced a lot of loss in my life, especially with um, the the friends that I sur- that I've surrounded myself with throughout throughout my time. And you know, I lost I lost one of my closest friends when I was really really young to to suicide, and I didn't even begin to process that loss or grieve that loss until years later because it was such a shock, mm-hmm. and I was so young. And I didn't really have the tools emotionally to be able to to process that pain and process that hurt. And that's one of the things that I always think about when I think of the five stages. Because, you know, right away, you could not even experience any of those emotions. You can be numb for a, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I just... I don't like the the pressure, the yeah. pressure to have the right feelings or to process things the right way, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, whether it's our mental health, whether it's grief, whatever it might be. We need to think about the what's happening for us in the moment and mm-hmm. how we can best support ourselves through that. Some other important things that I would really encourage people to consider when we're speaking about grief is that, you know, there, we can't fix it for someone. There's no magic wand that we can wave that'll mm-hmm. take someone's pain away as much as we wish that there was because... We hate to see people in that. I think seeing people grieving or seeing the loss that someone's experiencing is probably one of the hardest things because we've all experienced it to some extent and we can relate. It's it's easy to empathize, I think. Yeah. With with grief. I don't know if you It's just it's just so individual that you've got to be led by those people around you Mm -hmm. you know if you're supporting a friend or something right you've just got to be led by that person I'm even thinking about like the majority of grief that kind of I've experienced is around like that concrete loss Mm -hmm. I would probably say of kind of that kind of stuff and I remember when my nana passed away like me my mum and dad were on completely different pages of responding to it (laughs) my dad was just like was under like was numb my mum was like kind of what people would think when it comes to grief of like being pretty upset crying and my way was just 
just did not process in my brain like what had happened until like you say it was like a week later I remember I was at work and mm. I just like this has happened this is real had to go home and just like cried I think for people that are around us I kind of have to just check in with people mm. because me my mum and dad would have all needed very different types of support at that moment in time yeah and e- even just like continuing on from that needing different types of support because it's just so so individual mm-hmm. and I think because it is so individual as well we don't want to be judging people for how they're responding yeah absolutely like not. we don't want to be judging people if they are numb we don't want to be judging people if they're kind of in a stage of like disbelief we don't want to be judging people who are really upset or angry whatever it is because it's it's is as humans just trying to work out what is going on with <laughs> within us. Yeah. And the way that we respond to that is just so different. You bring up many really important points, but the one that I specifically want to get to is that idea of grief hitting us suddenly. Mm-hmm. And I think what helps me think about it now in the best way is your rock and shoe analogy that we use for <laughs> trauma. Yeah. So what really work listeners, I don't know if you've li- been listening for a while or if you've heard Becky's analogy of the rock in the shoe, but we usually use that analogy when we are describing trauma because trauma is something that a lot of, you know, that you can live with for the rest of your life and you can learn to live with it much like a rock in your shoe. Sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes it hits a place in your foot where you're stepping and you really feel it, but you can kind of jimmy it. You can move it to the side. You can move it up between your toes and it it affects you less. Sometimes you even forget that there's a rock in your shoe. I think it's very similar for grief where at various points, whether it be just things that are happening in your life, whether you're triggered by someone close to you losing losing someone Mm -hmm. or triggered by a conversation, whatever it might be, you can feel that loss again. Yeah. It, grief stick can stick around for a long time. Yeah. And I totally identify that with kind of like what I would say. I don't know how best to describe it. I don't know if there is an official term for this. There probably is. But like my granddad has Alzheimer's, um, which is it's just being such I don't even know how to describe the experience. But it's like a grieving experience, right? From yeah. that like moment of like noticing some things not quite right he's not behaving necessarily in the way that he has been all the time um to like that diagnosis and like all those different like kind of milestones or just like events that are happening right and that rocking the shoe analogy is a really great way of describing it because um sadly that's how my like nana passed away so I have that like kind of previous grief yeah so that rocking the shoe was like rolled right under my foot really when like my granddad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and it was like this really hurts because like you say it's that like not again kind of thing yeah right and then you kind of are like okay like we can like accept this like let's see what we can do like try and make the most of it all these kind of different things and like you say that's like shimmying it to the side or whatever and then like other things will happen right which then means that like that rock moves around again and maybe it moves around just a little bit and it's just like a little pinch versus um, maybe sometimes it's like, oh, actually like for the rest of this week, this is going to really, really hurt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So yeah, just really, I find that rocking the shoe analogy, although we do talk about it for trauma, like it is very fitting with grief. 
Yeah, and grief can be traumatizing too. Like you have, yeah. I think you have a very similar response. Yeah. Um, a trauma response versus and a grief response when you might be activated by something. Um, the other thing that I really wanted to mention is, you know, we, we've said that a couple times already that when we are either supporting ourselves or supporting uh, someone with, with grief, it is so individual and we just need to be there for that person. And one of the things that I like to think about that helps me just be able to be there for someone in whatever way they're processing is not thinking about trying to say the right thing, do the right thing, but just walking alongside one someone and holding space for them is what we like to call it. Holding space for them to be able to navigate their their own healing. So whether that space be filled with conversation because that's what they're looking for, whether that space be held for silence because that's what might be needed for that person right then and there. Whatever it whatever it is, just hold that space and mm-hmm. make that space available for someone is a really, really supportive way to yeah, to just walk through that hard time, right? And sometimes it can be uncomfortable. I think that's the thing about grief and loss that makes it so difficult for people to support others with is because it is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's awkward. And we don't know what to say to somebody when they're dealing with loss or grief because there is nothing to say. Yeah. With other things, we might be able to give advice, you know, give our lived experience. And as humans... We want to do that. Yeah, we don't. We don't like <laughs> that. We want to take somebody's pain and be able to like throw it in the trash can, right? Yeah. We want to be able to make things better for people because, like, one, we feel uncomfortable, but especially when it's someone we care about, we don't want to see them grieving or in pain or angry, whatever it is. I know sometimes when I'm grieving, my partner will be like, "I just want to make it better for you," and yeah. I'm like, "You can't." Like, and that's okay. It There's is not okay. much more I can do. It than is that. okay, absolutely. And I always. When I am supporting someone with grief, and this this is actually something that I do a lot in my in my professional role, is I think of, am I saying this because I'm trying to support myself with my feelings mm-hmm. of uncomfortability and what I think I want to do for this person to make me feel better about their loss and their pain? Or am I saying and doing, doing this because I genuinely think that it would be supportive for this person and what they need right now? Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, I'm doing it to support myself and not the other person. And, you know, it's it's a it's a harsh, it's a harsh reality to come to sometimes. But some most of the time we can end up being dismissive or adding even to that person's pain by trying to take it away. Yeah. And it's and it sucks. It sucks that that, that that's that that's uh, what, what happens. But there are some things that we can do. There are some supportive techniques that we can that we can use beyond just holding space for someone that, that can help us navigate that really weird world of wanting to say and do the right thing, but not really knowing what we can do to support someone, which we'll get into. Before we get into that, we just have a quick advert from our sponsor, Staple Studio. We are currently recording in the podcast booth inside Staple Studio, located in Kelowna. Staple Studio is a co-working space for those looking for a safe alternative to working from home. I know I feel so stuck at home these days, and going to Staples makes me feel like I actually have a change of pace. They offer not only a safe space to work with desks, offices, private 
phone booths, and meeting rooms, they are connected to the Staples store where they have everything you need under one roof. Studio is more than just a co-working space. Studio is a community to help you work, learn, and grow. Follow them on Instagram at Staples Studio Canada for more information on locations, pricing, and amenities. Please visit studio.staples.ca and book a virtual tour. All right, so like you mentioned before, Olivia, we'll get more into that side of support techniques. Um, And we'll talk, I guess, a little bit about supporting others when they're grieving but also supporting ourselves when we're experiencing grief and loss as well right Mm -hmm. the first thing I want to start with because I feel very passionately about this is avoiding platitudes when someone is grieving what platitudes so platitudes are something that you say that doesn't really have a lot of meaning and are commonly said you know it's just like so a platitude for example is like everything's meant for a reason (sighs) everything will be okay like those kind of greeting card phrases that you see in here all the time that people typically just say because they don't know what else to say yeah avoid platitudes people no I I don't want to speak for everyone but for me when I've been in in my grieving process saying things like you know everything's meant for a reason or they're in a better place now things will get better I know how you feel all of these platitudes incredibly unhelpful because we we know (laughs) you know like you know that things are going to get better or maybe you don't in that current moment and you don't even want to think about something like that yeah it's just not helpful for that and it's also not helpful because it's not necessarily heartfelt you know a platitude is not something that's coming from from you Mm -hmm. and and it's not supporting that person and what they need in, in the immediate moment. And it's something that I see so, 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 so often is the first thing that people jump to because of that uncomfortability, I think, is, you know, it's all meant for a reason, pat on the back type deal. Yeah, and I think people think it's helpful, but when somebody's grieving, I know when people say things like that to me and like, now I'm just really angry at you. Yeah. <laughs> because you saying like it all happens for a reason. Well, that doesn't make what this is feel any better. Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel any more okay you saying that. And actually now I'm just angry because you've kind of just taken away from whatever loss it is that I'm experiencing. Absolutely. And I was supporting someone, some of the one of the first people that I was supporting with grief in my professional career. The first thing that I said to them was just like, you know, I'm I'm so sorry and I'm so sorry for your loss and kind of, you know, like they're mm-hmm. in a better place now at Platitude. And thank goodness for this experience. But this person that I was supporting was so clear with their boundaries that after I said that, you know what they came to me with? They said, people saying that they're sorry is not helping me right now. So if you could not say that, that would actually help my grief process more. And I was like, Absolutely. And good for you for setting those boundaries. Mm. Because we also have to remember as the person that is grieving that, you know, people don't really know the right thing to say and that they are trying to come from a place of of love and peace. And, you know, that's great, but we can still set our boundaries and we can tell Mm. people what's helping us right now. We can tell people what's supporting us right now and what's not supporting us. Yeah, and like you say, that's probably one of the biggest ways of supporting ourselves as, as an individual, right? 
is setting those boundaries. Absolutely. Which is so hard when, because when you're grieving, you're tired. (laughs) You're exhausted, right? So then having to put (laughs) their mental energy into setting those boundaries is so hard, but also so worthwhile, right? Because it gives us the space that we need. It lets others know what's okay and what's not okay for us right now. And those boundaries can be, you know what, saying things like, you know what, not today. Yeah. Just not today. Mm -hmm. And that's more than enough. It's saying no without an explanation. And that's okay. And the people that, you know, are there for you will be, will respond to that. Yeah. The other way that I would suggest that folks can support others with their loss or their grief is by not judging that person, no matter what they're going through. Uh, no matter how long it, it might take them to to kind of, I don't even want to say be okay with the situation. I think, you know, a lot of people expect that, that grief or loss is something that you're supposed to get over at some point. And it's really not. <laughs> it's, it's not something that you necessarily might ever get over or move past or feel resolved with. And that's yeah. okay. I've heard in many conversations people being like, you know, why are they still struggling with this? Why is this? This person should be feeling better right now. Like, it's been a couple years. Yeah. Or like Happened years ago. Absolutely not helpful. Yeah. And it invalidates people. Mm-hmm. And it isolates them. And especially if you're doing that when you're trying to support someone at the same time, that's not going to be very supportive. So that would be would be my other suggestion. You know, it's funny because with with grief and with loss, I said in the beginning, there's not really that much that we can do. And usually with what really works, we give a lot of suggestions Mm -hmm. of how you can support someone else. But at the end of the day, my three suggestions and the ones that that I genuinely think work are holding space for someone in whatever way they need to hold that space. Silence is typically golden when it mm-hmm. comes to, to situations like loss um, of someone experiencing loss or grief. Avoid platitudes mm-hmm. and remain non-judgmental throughout the entire time. Yeah. And that's pretty much from my experience and personally and professionally, that's where I would leave it. And you know, what can be a really helpful tool to aid with all those yeah, three yeah. is this was actually mentioned during a session that I joined yesterday Ooh. Um, by one of the amazing participants and they said about doing like a full reset and a great way of encouraging that silence, encouraging that non-judgment, encouraging thinking about what we're really going to say is taking five deep breaths mm. before we do or say anything. Yeah. Because one, those five deep breaths take a lot longer than you anticipate. So it creates that space for silence and creates that level of silence where we always feel uncomfortable in silence. So it gives us also something to be focusing on during that, but also gives us that time to think about like, do I need to say anything? Is that what I want to say? What does this person actually want from this? It gives us that space. So it's a really handy tool, just five deep breaths to kind of aid with those three things you were talking about. Yeah. And when you're taking those five deep breaths, reflecting on what we mentioned earlier of why am I saying this? Am I saying this to support myself or to support the other person? Yeah. I think that's a great suggestion. There are more techniques that we can employ to support ourselves, though, when we're going through grief. Um, So a lot of these suggestions I've actually... 
uh, taken or not not necessarily taken, but gleaned from my uh, from the BC peer support training curriculum, which will be released here soon. It's a project I've been a part of for the past Oh, almost two years now. Super exciting. Um, but these support techniques come from a group of literally hundreds and hundreds of people with lived and living experience of, uh, of mental health challenges, of those hard things in life. And, you know, I don't want to generalize, but typically when, when you're running in those, uh, in those circles of people with lived and living experience, we've experienced a lot of, a lot of loss and yeah. a lot of grief, um, because of the various things that are, that are associated with that. So um, really, really great support techniques from really great group of people. One of the first ones that suggested is um, kind of thinking about restructuring identity. Ooh, um, tell me more about that. So this is, I would say, more in the long term, not so much of that immediate supporting ourselves, okay. but creating new meaning around how we view ourselves and what our identity is. Okay. So maybe discovering new things that we've never tried before hanging out with new people that we might not have not have associated ourselves with before, um, new sports, new activities, thinking about ourselves as an independent person and what we want as an, as an independent, per, independent person to kind of restructure um, not only those, those support networks that we might have in our life, but restructure ourselves and what we find supportive for ourselves and, and branching out and reaching out and broadening our horizons because when you're in grief, it can feel as though there is no more horizon. What is life going to be like without this thing in my life? Because it's been such a heavy presence mm-hmm. for me, especially when you're really like you've lost someone really, really close to you or lost something really close to you, like divorce, for example. Yeah. Restructuring that identity, figuring out, you know, how I might be able to create this life or, or pursue this life in a way that might have been different than than the life that I was pursuing previously. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you say that's like a good, like definitely take some time to be able to get to that place. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, just even thinking about that's when people, <laughs> I feel like people are external to it are always like, this person's so strong. They've come out stronger on the other side. And I feel like it's where, like you say, people are like, you know what? I, this is how I'm going to look at this. Think about our perspective and like you say, I, reevaluate it's not the right word but kind of be like all right so that's what I was working towards and that path has changed like where where's next yeah and the thing that it makes me think of the most is especially because you know these techniques really do come from that lived and living experience of of moving through that grief is you know the reason that I'm in mental health work is because of the people that I've lost due to mental health challenges Mm -hmm. like or suicide or overdose throughout throughout my life and yeah you know it it, it does as much as as much as it's horrible grief does give you a chance to kind of take a look at your life and take a look at what's working for you and what's not working for you and what you might want to want to change and like move forward with in the future which which has been probably my the most interesting thing that I've experienced through through the grieving process yeah anyway so another thing that we can do it's they've We've called it tempering mastery, which is essentially creating routines, creating practices, activities, whatever it might be that support the things we can control. So we talk about control a lot on this podcast. And the reason why it's mentioned, I think, with grief is because when we lose something, we feel very out of control. 
especially if that loss is sudden and especially if yeah just especially if that loss is sudden so one of the ways that we can support ourselves in the immediate moment is by doing things that allow us to gain a little bit more sense of control over ourselves and over our lives whether that be really sticking to a routine you know writing that routine down and then doing it um, whether it be you know doing more mindful practices that give us a sense of control even hanging out with people that give us a a greater sense of control over ourselves um yeah, anything that you want to add to that one, Becky? No, I think with that, it's kind of all around, like, baby steps, I feel. Yeah. Um, and it's maybe something that we can think about implementing maybe when we're first, like, earlier on in experiencing that grief. Yeah. And thinking, okay, like, you know what? I'm just going to set an alarm on my phone every couple of hours to tell me to go get a glass of water. Yeah, that oh, that's a great suggestion. I actually have a, an app on my phone that does it for me called aloe bud <laughs> and I've, i got a notification 10 minutes ago telling me to hydrate <laughs> but that you know it's really important um, especially when you're great or you know telling you okay it's time to make like make lunch now yeah um i feel like that's a really great way of just kind of giving us those simple easy nudges to do those things that mm, involve us caring for ourselves right when we're grieving i understandably caring for ourselves kind of sometimes can get thrown out of the window which is totally understandable yeah but like you say creating those practices that support us to maybe slowly nudge those into our lives can be a really great way of having that sense of control having that sense of doing the odd little things to support ourselves and I feel is a great way of doing that yeah and lean into those things a little bit that are giving you a greater sense of control Mm -hmm. for me um so I, I lost my best friend last year and one of the things that that really helped me move through that grieving process in the initial stages was going to work every day mm-hmm. and I was offered to take some some leave and I didn't want to because I wanted to I needed it you know I mm-hmm. needed that that schedule I needed that task and and it, it helped to have to have that routine to have that routine for me for sure yeah um, so it can, you know, tempering mastery, creating practices that support us to I feel do. in control can look very different for everyone. I do have a question for you. Yeah. Is, you know, you're talking about how you did that in a really su- supportive way for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Using it as a routine. Do you think there are ways of us being acknowledging or knowing if we are pushing ourselves too much in that direction? Maybe we do need some space or maybe we do need some, maybe we need some downtime to just sit and cry or scream, shout, whatever it is. How do you think there are ways of us knowing when we're pushing ourselves too much in the sense of like normalcy and control? Yeah, I would say if you're feeling overwhelmed. Okay frequently, often, you know, Mm -hmm. if I if I was at work and then an email comes in and I'm like, I can't respond to this like, oh, my then I'm probably feeling too overwhelmed to be where I'm at right now. Um, So being activated by by small things very frequently, I think, would be a big sign um, that we're pushing ourselves too hard. Bursts of anger and bursts of frustration quite frequently, I think, would be another sign that we're pushing ourselves too hard. Um, But, you know, it's funny because with grief, all those things come up naturally anyway. So I think it's just about being kind to yourself and listening listening to what you might need but at the same time you also have no idea what you need (laughs) um 
it's such a it's such like a space of where you're just like moving through the daily things in life and it just feels like so gray and at least for me it felt so gray and so like removed almost like outer body like just moving through the daily things in life and not really feeling a lot not really yeah so I I don't know I don't know if I can really if I can really pinpoint how we might know that we're pushing ourselves too hard because it looks different for everyone which is so unfortunate because for me it's like I was not feeling a lot of emotions I was Mm -hmm. feeling quite outer body kind of like quite numb yeah so I think I just leaned into the things that made me feel more myself yeah and if what was making me feel more myself and more a part of who who I am, then I would I would lean into those things a little bit more. So if in that moment it was working, then then great. In that if it was being with friends, then great. If it was crying and being alone mm-hmm. by myself, then then that's what I needed. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. For me, I did find like being surrounded with people that I love and surrounded with community also helped a lot. In addition to working, yeah, or does help a lot. But again, it totally depends on on what's happening because. I've experienced very different types of grief and loss for s- the same kind of situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? Do you do you think there's anything that can come comes to your mind of how we might notice? It's just so difficult because my initial thought to myself is like, when I've been grieving, how do I know when I need to take a break? And it's oh, when I'm like, let's say, feeling overwhelmed or like doing something maybe that or reacting to things in a way that I wouldn't do normally. For example, just like I knew when I needed to take some time off from like my previous role was like, I was like getting pretty teary eyed. But then I'm like, that's grieving also. (laughs) It's not necessarily the fact that I'm overwhelmed, but maybe it's just the fact that where I am at them in that moment in time isn't the most supportive place for me to be. Yeah. So maybe just do what you need to do in the moment. I feel like one of the hardest parts when it comes to supporting ourselves with grief is letting others know where we're at Mm. because maybe we have a close set of friends where like you say they they know to give us like hold that space for us and be non-judgmental and uh maybe we feel more comfortable letting them know where we're at right and maybe they're more aware of whatever it is that we've been experiencing right but then it's really tricky when sometimes the onus is on us to inform people where we might not necessarily usually speak to them about those things that are so close to us so I am thinking about kind of like the workplace right (laughs) and for me when I'm grieving I need space to support myself when I'm grieving it means I do have to have a conversation to at some degree with my manager and say you know hey just so you know like I'm grieving about something or I'm having a hard time and you know what it might mean over the next week or so, I might need to just take a couple of hours here and there for myself. But I also know not everyone's always in that position. I'm laughing because when I first found out that um, Andrew passed away, I, <laughs> next day at work, immediately just went to our executive director's <laughs> office, knocked on the door and was, and they were busy. They were full on busy with something. And I was like, I need to talk to you. And folks this is not my manager this is not someone my direct supervisor that I should have been talking to it was like the head honcho of the organization bust into the office I'm like so this just happened I don't know how to feel about it but I'm gonna need to leave so thanks such a like goofy conversation and goofy way to approach the situation but that's okay 
Uh, yeah, and I think that's where we need to be kind and compassionate to ourselves when we're grieving yeah. because people get it. They, yeah, they get it. People get it. And also, you know what? Outside of that grief, we probably would have dealt with a situation or responded to a situation in, in a different way. Right, like outside of grief, if you were saying you needed some time off, you probably would have approached it in a different way, right? Oh, a hundred percent. But while you're grieving, it's like I just need to go tell this person. I just need to say this is happening and then leave. That's it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just by just do what you need to do in the moment, and that's okay. Don't be so hard on yourself and think that you need to get everything perfect, and you know be strong and just persevere and just do it all the right way because there's no right way to do it well and also you're saying be strong i know i hate but i think that's the way that so many people feel they need to approach grief of like i need to be there for my family i need to be the strong one i need to be the one that makes you know all the plans and does everything which is i understand because some people are very much in that position depending on the way that their family structure or life structure might be but also recognizing that you're not any less strong for feeling like a complete wreck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not. And, and just like getting through the day in whatever way you've got through it is incredibly strong in itself, right? Yeah. If you have been crying all day and the one thing you've done for yourself is had three glasses of water. That's like showing resilience and being strong, right? It Strength comes up in very, very different ways. Mm-hmm. So let's break that down. Yeah. Um, speaking of getting out of bed in the morning, though, mm-hmm. one way that we can support ourselves throughout the grieving process is by trying to, to find meaning, to find meaning into the things that are that are giving us hope, into the things that are kind of giving us a giving us a reason to fi- to get out of bed every morning. Mm-hmm. For me recently, you know, that was just wanting to live a life that I knew that my that that Andrew would have wanted me to live. Right. And like celebrate his life in the way that that I know that he would have wanted me to celebrate his life in. And that meant like, okay, I'm going to go hiking more every morning when I was going through that, because that's what he loved to do. You know, like finding those things, no matter how tough it, it might seem or how silly it might seem the meaning like just kind of trying to lash on to those things to support yourself is I don't really know how to explain it in the right way if you are finding meaning in in small things or, or whatever it might be then try then try to latch on to that and try to really be mindful about thinking of that to help you move through the day mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah I get what you mean finding hope or finding celebration Oh, like, yeah, like you say, just kind of those small moments of joy or hope or. Yeah, don't don't deny yourself those moments. I think for me, I felt so guilty a lot, a lot, too. Like if I would be experiencing joy or happiness or laughter or whatever it might be when I'm in the throes of grief or when I'm seeing how other people are reacting. Right. Like you can feel guilty for those things. But but don't, you know, em- embrace those moments, embrace those moments of light and try to use those moments of light to continue to support yourself through that through that process you know yeah yeah no I agree speaking of you know of celebration like you mentioned Becky uh, another thing that we can do to support ourselves is um, you know grieving but at the same time celebrating what was lost if if we're able to so celebrating you know that that relationship that person that whatever it was in a way that that makes sense to us um, 
so for me, you know, getting up and, and, and hiking was a process of my grief because it, it was sad to do, but mm-hmm. it was also a time of celebrating, of mm-hmm. celebrating that person's life and what, and what they liked and yeah, of finding those, those things to, to reflect on in a, in a positive way. I totally understand that. And like those things are the really great things where they give you those moments of like reflection, right? those moments of like reflecting on like the joy or the happiness or whatever it was my my nana's name was olive and i decided when she passed away that i wanted to have something to memorize her and have something that was kind of meant that whenever i looked at it i felt like those gave me that moment of reflection to like Mm -hmm. celebrate and be like oh this is my nana like she used to take me to the museum all the time it was great and I happened to find a piece of jewelry, which is a ring that I wear every single day. And it's an olive branch that wraps around my finger. Aww. And like, that's my way of like a little celebration. I can always be like, oh, I have my ring. That's It's like my Nana's with me. Yeah, I love that. You wear that ring all the time. I never knew it. I never take it off. Oh, lovely. That's so nice. Yeah. yeah so, the, you know, re- revisiting that attachment. Absolutely. Uh, We talked about it a little bit, but another way to support ourselves is normalizing ambivalence. So just acknowledging the range of feelings that we have, acknowledging that we might be numb, we might be sad, we might be angry, we might not even know how we feel. That's typically what I have experienced the most is like, I can't even communicate how I feel because I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what I'm feeling. I'm just in this big mass confusion. (laughs) No idea what's happening. Yeah. And that's okay. That's normal. Yeah, I that's exactly what I definitely feel when I'm grieving. And maybe that's just the ex- maybe that's how I experience the emotion grief. Yeah. Um is you know, we talk about emotionless all the time and being able to kind of point at an emotion or a couple of emotions be like, "Hey, this is what I'm experiencing right now." But I know when it comes to me experiencing some form of grief or loss or really big disappointment in my life, I have a really hard time pinpointing what that emotion is. And then that makes it harder for me to support myself because I know if I'm angry, going on a big walk is really helpful for me. I know if I'm feeling really sad that watching a Disney movie (laughs) perks me up. I know if I'm feeling worried, like crafting is really helpful for me, right? So I know that there's like, different things that I can do that make me feel a little bit more supported in that moment and what's really hard about grief or just feeling confused about my emotions is it sometimes I'm like well where do I go from here because I can't pinpoint exactly what this emotion is which then means I'm not sure which tool I should lean into and I don't know which one's going to make me feel best yeah or not necessarily make me feel best but make me feel the most okay Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big conundrum. I was like, I don't know what to say to that because I think sometimes it's just about saying like, what does the next five minutes look like? It's just about me? existing. Yeah. Honestly. Like sometimes when I'm really confused my, about my emotions, like, okay, so I don't know what emotion I'm feeling. What does the next five minutes look like for me? And it's sometimes it's, I'm going to go just stand outside. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, I've done that. What does the next five minutes look like for me? I think that's where that routine part comes in. The tempering mastery that we were talking about before is creating practices and creating those routines that support the things that we can control Mm -hmm. because it's really hard to know what we want to do to support ourselves and support our emotional space when we're grieving. So 
I think that's where that piece kind of helps us out a little bit is creating yeah. those practices and routines to support our sense of control mm-hmm. rather than our emotional space. If yeah. that may, if that makes sense. Yeah. One thing I do want to add is, and this is something that happens with like mental health all the time anyway, is that the onus and like the responsibility falls down to us. I know. As oh an God. individual, right? Like we're talking about grief and it's already hard enough. And then we're like, these are the things you can do to survive. It's like, I know this time um, is really hard, but you have to do all this. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't want anyone to take that, take this away from this. Is that we're like saying this is a to-do list. Oh my gosh. No. Um, but what I do want to say is, like I say, we don't have to go through grief on our own and we don't have to work all these things out on our own, whether that be having close family members, whether that's having close friends, whether that's seeing a grief counselor, whether that's attending peer support, whatever way it is, you don't have to kind of plod through it and work through it and dredge through it on your own. And that can be the biggest form of support as well in the sense of, you know, we've been talking about like, what does the next five minutes look like? Or like, what's the most supportive thing for me? Can certainly be helpful to have someone to ask you those questions. Mm-hmm. Of like, have you found anything that's helpful right now? Yeah. Has there anything that even for a split second give you a little smile? And if that's not what you're feeling right now too, if you don't want to be around people, yeah, that's a that's okay too. It's I want to make it clear that all of these support techniques, the way that we might support someone else and support ourselves, don't happen within a specific time frame. Yeah. It can take years before you even think about how you're going to su- like actively think about how you might support yourself. And that's okay. And I think a lot of, yeah, yeah, like a lot of people experience that. And yeah. If you know, don't immediately think that you need to do like create all these routines and find meaning and have hope and, you know, celebrate someone's life. Like don't push yourself into doing things that you're not ready for. Yeah. I have a have a friend that that lost their mom and, you know, they didn't start going to to grief counseling until two years after their mom passed away, because that's when they were ready to visit those feelings. Yeah. And that's okay. There is no right or wrong way in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we sometimes have to remind ourselves of. I think everybody has to remind ourselves that when it comes to grief and loss is there is no right or wrong way. So that doesn't mean you can see somebody grieving or dealing with a loss. You can't tell them this is what you need to do. You can't tell them that's not helpful for you. But then also knowing ourselves when we're grieving or experiencing a loss, we don't want to be telling ourselves, oh, I shouldn't be grieving this. Yeah. We don't want to be telling ourselves, I should be able to move on from this. Basically, just re- remove any shoulds from <laughs> your vocabulary. Any judgment. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to grief and loss and the most we can do is just try and be kind to ourselves, be compassionate to ourselves and work out if we can just where we're at that moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great note to end on for the things that we can do to support ourselves. Yeah. Um, before we close out, I just want to send out so much love and just love to everyone, but especially to folks that might be 
experiencing grief or loss um, right now or if any feelings have come up for you during this podcast like same ditto and I love you and holds holds if you know someone that's going through that hold space for them hold space from them in a non-judgmental way embrace silence and also take time for yourself as well remember to look after your if you're somebody's go-to support who's grieving like make sure you're taking care of yourself too Mm -hmm. absolutely um we will also attach a resource list for this episode in the episode description just with some kind of additional resources places to reach out you know like you said olivia if this episode has kind of really hit you or you feel like you need to reach out and have some extra support or want to talk or things like that we'll put a resource list together just so it's easy to find those places and thanks everyone for listening yeah thank you yeah love and light goodbye goodbye thanks again for listening to us we hope you enjoyed this podcast you can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms and if you don't want to miss any future episodes you can follow us or subscribe to what really works to find more from discovery college go to discoverycollegecolona.com and thanks again to staple studio in supporting us to produce this podcast